Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 202 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm Danny, and I'm here with Mike, and tonight we'll be discussing Wes Anderson's latest stop-motion picture, Isle of Dogs, starring just about everybody. Mike, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing great, Danny. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. You know what? I feel is this, bad. Is Let's... this Wes Anderson's latest stop-motion feature, or did he did he make another stop-motion animated he did... feature? Fantastic Mr. Fox starring oh, George Clooney several that. years ago. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, but like, you know, I, I sort of gave it short shrift, and I feel I often do that. So let's just take that again and say Academy Award nominee, writer-director Wes Anderson, his latest film starring Academy Award nominee Brian Cranston, Academy Award nominee <laughs> Edward Norton, Academy Award nominee Bill Murray, Golden Globe nominee Jeff Goldblum and Academy Award nominee Jeff Goldblum. Academy Award nominee Bob Balaban. Academy Award nominee Ken Watanabe. Academy Award nominee Greta Gerwig. Academy Award winner Frances McDormand. Academy Award winner Fisher Stevens. Mm. Academy Award nominee Harvey Keitel. Golden Globe nominee Liev Schreiber. Golden Gold nominee Scarlett Johansson. Academy Award winner Tilda Swinton. Academy Award winner F. Murray Abraham. And Yoko Ono. She's a Grammy winner. <laughs> you, this is the one that you chose to give the full the full cast listing. How about a, did you say Academy Award nominee Greta Gerwig? Did I miss that? Oh no, I said that. Oh, you said that. All right, I figured yeah, that'd yeah. be when you gloss over. Uh, so well, well, why would you figure I would gloss over Greta Gerwig? Uh, my, my, hate, rampant sexism. my rampant sexism. The mail we've gotten since since the Lady Bird episode is horrible. It's horrible. rampant. Yeah. It's rampant. Boy, what a uh, what a couple weeks for movies. And I know that uh, one big headline that I found interesting that I don't know that you'll have a response to is that China has finally become the largest movie marketplace in the world. This so far year to date, China like by China's land mass, office. you mean they've got the most land mass, <laughs> right? Okay, right. No, by box office, got it. So okay. in, in dollars, Chinese box office uh, results year to date have actually eclipsed that of the United States. So they are now officially the largest movie market in the world. Well, for the moment, we could still catch up by the end of the year, is what you're saying? Uh, I suppose, and and certainly with the Avengers: Infinity Wars coming up at the end of this month, I think there's a lot of hope. Uh, in Hollywood, that that movie will will make a big difference, but also year to date, you know, we all know that Black Panther is uh, the movie, of the the largest movie of the year. It's now the fifth largest movie of all time domestically. But for the first time ever, between that movie and the second highest box office gross of the year, which I believe is Peter Rabbit, okay, uh, which has made just over a hundred million dollars, never has there been a six to one ratio. Between Whoa. the top grocer and the second highest grocer. So well, in- Infinity Wars States, is going to close that gap, too. Well, again, everyone's hoping, although that's just more good news for Disney, which will then have <laughs> one and two. So what did you say number two is? Peter Rabbit? Peter Rabbit. So this movie, there was a, there, this year there was a movie that came out called Peter Rabbit. And I somehow <laughs> missed it. I, that's, I can't. that's your takeaway thus far <laughs> in the conversation. But what that means is the United States is now the second biggest movie market in the world, and the movies that are being released, there are larger and larger gaps between them, sort of chunkier from a box office standpoint, which I think, of course, will only exacerbate the trend which we complain about ad nauseum on the show of that 
made for uh, intelligent adult sort of middle ground <laughs> human film is going to go further and further by the wayside because more than ever, Hollywood needs to make pictures that can cross over to the Chinese marketplace, which is actually the largest marketplace in the world. Uh, so more Fate of the Furious, more Jurassic World uh, types of pictures, just louder, sure. bigger, noisier. Manchester by the Sea. Right. <laughs> right. You, you, you get what I'm laying down. I, 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 <laughs> All right. Well, your thanks point for is totally lost on me. Th- thanks for tracking. All right. Well, <laughs> since we're talking about big, giant, loud, stupid movies, let's talk about what is one of the most handmade, small uh, miniature films uh, of, of the last several years, Isle of Dogs, written and directed by Academy Award nominee, Wes Anderson. All right. So I'll hit you with a tight plot recap. In a dystopian near-future Japan, a dog flu virus spreads throughout the canine population. The authoritarian new mayor of Megasaki City, Kobayashi, an avid cat lover, signs a decree banishing all dogs to Trash Island, including the, uh, the dog of his orphaned nephew and ward, Spots. Uh, a scientist named Professor Watanabe uh, insists he's close to finding a cure. And six months later, the orphaned ward, Atari, uh, runs away from home, steals a plane, and flies to Trash Island to try and find spots. There he connects with a pack of other dogs who work to help Atari find spots and make their way back to mainland uh, Japan. Meanwhile, Professor Watanabe finds a cure, but is actually poisoned and killed by Mayor Kobayashi so that the dogs have to remain on the island. A foreign exchange student, voiced by Academy Award nominee Greta Gerwig, suspects a conspiracy (laughs) and begins to investigate (laughs) and finds the last remaining dose of the cure. Ultimately, the dogs return to Megasaki City uh, Mayor Kobayashi is thwarted in his re-election bid and ends up, in a strange turn of events, giving a kidney to his ward Atari, who then becomes mayor of Megasaki City and reinstates uh, or reallows dogs to return to the island after they've all been cured from dog flu. And that's Isle of Dogs. Yeah, that's good. That was, that was pretty tight. There's a lot going on there, for sure. What did you think of the movie? I have to be honest with you. I loved this movie. I, Wes Anderson movies are really hit or miss for me. And this one, like from the first 90 seconds, I just thought, yep, uh, I'm on board. Yeah. I love the attention to detail, everything about it. I was fully on board. How about you? Also loved it. I found it hard to even look away from the screen to take many notes. I was so engrossed with the story. I thought that it was fast moving. I thought that it was touching and sweet, and funny, and sad at, at several parts as well. I thought Very that it was sad. really a well-crafted story, and obviously visually beautiful. Now, now I want to ask you now this question, because I think the thing that I loved so much is how gorgeous it really is, and we've joked in the past, or not joked, but just observed that you can take a still frame of any Wes Anderson movie and 
immediately identify it as a Wes Anderson movie. This, to me, was no exception at all. A- absolutely Wes Anderson from top to bottom. He always seems to have everything so symmetrically framed and, yes. and beautifully laid out. And uh, that attention to detail just blows my mind. I did not. I forgot all about the Fantastic Mr. Fox. I never saw that movie. Was that an easily identifiable Wes Anderson movie? Because I went into this expecting it to be a Wes Anderson different. You know, like maybe you wouldn't automatically know it was a Wes Anderson film. Yes, I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is identifiable as a Wes Anderson film, but but maybe not to this degree. Like I didn't. I'm not a big fan of Moonrise Kingdom, and I, I know people react when I say this. I'm not a big fan of Rushmore, um, but Bottle Rocket is great. Royal Tenenbaums is wonderful, and Grand Budapest might be in my top ten movies of all time. Okay, so I, there are there are movies of his, his. He is a genre unto himself. He is like completely Wes Anderson. Like you can't really compare his movies to anybody else. But there are ones that I really react to and respond to and ones that I don't. And this one just immediately hit me. Now, I also love dogs. So I don't know if that was what I was responding to as well. But to me, you're absolutely right. The look of it is intensely Wes Anderson and beautiful. I mean, and disgusting. Stop motion animation has never looked so gross as Trash Island. Sure. Uh, You know, the dogs have fleas and there's just crap everywhere. And there's worms and and maggots maggots and rats. But so lovingly and painstakingly recreated. And then the the voice actors. I went through the cast up at the top of the show. Just incredible. And all of them doing their their dead pandust. You know, just no one's hamming it up here. No one's putting on a show. And that makes it ten times funnier. When you hear Ed Norton and Bob Balaban and <laughs> Bill Murray as dogs. Right. Just sort of dead panning their way through these scenes. I was Laughing out loud. I mean, they I just got, think it's great. They got some great lines, but that's exactly right. The humor here was very understated. This isn't done with a a wink like a Shrek or even a Finding Nemo. You know, movies that no, that I really love. No. It, it's it's very non ironic. It's and it's it's just straight on and and sometimes really funny and sometimes really sad and sometimes both at the same time in a bizarre yeah. way. The the scene where they think they found the boys dog it just is his right. skeleton in a cage because none of them could figure out how to open it up and then it just becomes oh you need a key right i mean just gut-wrenching and like the the whole theater is laughing like i mean what, right, what an right. awful way to discover that this is how your dog has died so uh great writing um i, I need to ask you another question i i had i wrote this down and i don't know if it it's not on a thing, a list of things that I would like or dislike about the film, but since you've mentioned the voice actors, and of course, he always has a huge cast of stars. He always yes. can pull this off. And he has a huger cast of stars this time, all doing voice acting. I have to think, though, that every single one of those voice actors, while tremendously talented individuals, you know, there's whole there's a whole craft of people that do voice acting and I bet a ton of them could sound like any one of these people and so could he have made this movie for a fraction of the cost and is it worth it at the box office to have Scarlett Johansson or or, or Bob Balaban on the bill like does that actually bring people into the movie when you could have had John and Sue do the exact same thing you know I think that's a really interesting question and if you rewind the tape Maybe it's probably it's almost close to 
30 years now. You know, you think of Disney movies in the past, those animated films, you never knew or cared who the voice actors right. were. But once you had Robin Williams as the genie in Aladdin, that just sort of opened up this floodgate of, well, if there was a named star that we can identify, now we care. You know, and that's carried right on through even with the Jungle Book a few years ago, right? We had Bill Murray as right. Baloo and you had Scarlett Johansson. But you're absolutely right. There's a whole industry of voice actors who do this for a living and are exceptionally talented at it. And why not give it to them? Why not let them get to explore and taste a Wes Anderson script and see what it would have sounded like? And build their resume for future projects and things. It just made me wonder. You remember a couple of years ago when La La Land got crapped on because you had Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, two people who can't really sing and certainly can't dance playing singers and dancers in a musical about singers and dancers and a whole industry of singers and dancers going what the hell (laughs) give give us this chance we we could have done it justice and of course now i but i agree but in la la land at least they were backed by tons of singers and dancers who got a shot and who shared the screen with them but you're absolutely right in isle of dogs i mean you can't see bill murray and he only has a, a couple dozen lines, maybe right. tops in the whole thing. Couldn't somebody else have done that and done a great job? Probably. I mean, it'd be, it's almost interesting to to see if Wes Anderson, you know, would ever have like a second cut of this with non-named talent. But at the same time, those voices are so immediately identifiable. And to hear Jeff Goldblum as a dog being his Jeff Goldblumness. <laughs> As we go through the lines, I'm already laughing. Like, yeah. it kind of is like what he says is sort of besides the point because it's a stupid looking dog <laughs> with Jeff Goldblum's voice. So I'm already laughing. Right. So I don't know if you get he got, that. With he got the else. right voices on the right dogs, to be sure. They were, oh, they for were sure. They were dead on perfect. Yeah. For sure. But, you know, there's another. Um, Another topic with this film that's come up and, and it one of the five questions this week touches on it is. The idea of cultural appropriation, that here's Wes Anderson, you know, writing a very specific, you know, Japanese type of film, sort of copying um, cliches and tricks and cultural elements from the Japanese culture. And some people have already said, hey, is this is this okay? Should this should he have been able to make this movie or should this have been something that a Japanese writer and director uh, should have or, or could have made. By the way, I, I, I certainly should note that it was co-written by Kunichi Nomura, who is one of the voice actors in the film as well. And there are a number of talented Japanese voice actors uh, participating in the film who I honestly just couldn't pronounce their names and do them justice. You got Yoko um, in there. I got Yoko in there. Um, so it, I, there is a, 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 a large number of Japanese voice actors who, who do participate and one of the co-writers is Japanese. But that question has come up and it, I feel like people are already sort of tying that around this movie's neck a little bit in that it's the next thing we can all get offended by. Normally you wait for it to be nominated for an Oscar before the piling on starts. So interesting that we've got the controversy already. I'll withhold an opinion on it until we get to five questions. How about that? Oh, okay. But then I'm going to speak my mind. Fair enough. 
Uh, was there anything you didn't? I, I loved just about everything about the movie. Yeah. I loved that it was sad. I loved. I thought it was laugh out loud hilarious. The attention to detail, the music. I think the attention to, to detail and the lovableness of these dogs made the one thing that hit my list. I struggled that there were some like violent acts towards animals in the movie, and I, I hate that all the time. And I know that this is stop motion animation, but it still bothers me. To get to your point about the cultural appropriation, even though I said I'd withhold an opinion, I, there were there were even things about that that I really I, I liked the the adapted score that they they put in here. I, I really thought that that was cool sounding. I loved the titles that they had in in the film. I thought that they were really creative with the. Uh, both Japanese and uh, and English translations of the names. Like, I, I've, I found all of those things really unique and fun about the movie as well. So, no, there's there's really nothing I didn't like about it. I guess if if, if I want to pick one thing, like if you, if you forced me to say something I didn't love about the movie, sometimes I guess I wish I could take Wes Anderson and ask him to just back off the Wes Anderson-ness a teeny bit. Like, like just, a, just a little, man. Like, you know, the the characters are all so beautifully drawn and and uh, and and sculpted so creatively. But then he has to make them all kind of ugly with those creepy little teeth. Like, they, they've got to be a little weird. Look at, like, like, couldn't you just make them have normal teeth? Like, just, just, just ease off the gas a, a teeny little bit on the Wes Anderson-y stuff. I saw this movie with my brother, and he too had a problem with what he called tooth nubs <laughs> that he felt well, yeah. were unsettling. <laughs> um, but I actually liked them, and I actually, as much as the violence in the movie was unsettling, and certainly, you know, the the plan to kill all dogs and the poisoning of Professor Watanabe. But I loved when the dogs were fighting, and because it's stop motion, it was rendered with like a dust cloud, cotton swabs. Yeah, a little yeah. dust cloud made of cotton as they're all tussling around. I mean, just the physicality of it made me laugh um, and felt like something from an old-timey cartoon. You know, yeah, you'd just see yeah. like a scribble and you'd see like one paw come out and a scribble and like a little dog's nose. And um, I-, I thought it was I thought it was great. I yeah. really, really enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed Courtney B. Vance as the narrator. Yeah. I enjoyed the score as well. I mean, just about everything – I enjoyed it. I, I, I didn't. And like every I, Wes Anderson movie, it seems to like accelerate to a conclusion. Like there's yes. no drawn out endings. It's like you take an hour's worth of film and put it on 2.4 speed and that's the last four scenes. It just, you know, you had a, a kidney transplant and brain surgery right. and, you know, the the aftermath of what happened. Like it was all... It, 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 it certainly keeps your attention across the finish line. Right. Yeah. One of the only what's up with I had, because just about everything in the movie could be a what's up with, but I said, what's up with a stop motion kidney transplant surgery? I, I think they must have been giggling all day, every day when they were rendering that scene. You know, just that it's almost like when we saw um, Team America, Team America, yes. World Police. Yes, like the craziness that they did with puppets. Those things that you just had, knew were like, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> they just had to laugh yeah. out loud. Yeah, and to to do this to the artistry and to the level of detail that they did. I mean, it's just it's such commitment on behalf of everybody involved with the film. Absolutely. It's like you got to tip your cap to it. But what is up with that? So what? I guess one final what's up with then, along the lines of the nub teeth. The Greta Gerwig character, 
Like, were those supposed to be freckles that she had that were all pink on her face? Because they kind of looked like chicken pox. Like, they, they, these were not your your uh, coffee-colored freckles. They were kind of odd-looking. I thought she was cute. But again, the people who are going to be offended by the cultural appropriation are also offended that it was a Caucasian English-speaking character that sort of saves the day uh, as opposed course, to one of the Japanese yeah. characters. There you, there you go. So I guess this movie has something for everybody. Tooth nubs, violence against animals, stop-motion surgery, Chicken things to be offended by, <laughs> right? cultural appropriation to be offended by. Yeah, lots of stuff to really get your fingers in and, and feel good about. So you know, something think, for everybody. And of course it's a movie marketed towards an adult audience, but I, I think my kids would love this movie. I think that they would enjoy it immensely. I don't think they would really get much of the humor, but I think they'd appreciate the kinds of things that you talked about, all the dogs fighting in a big clump of dust. And uh, right. I, I, I think that the story they would find touching. And I mean, any age, you've got to appreciate the the visual on this film. It's, it's fantastic. Yes, I agree. Uh, Mike, are you ready for five questions? Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. Question number one. What color jammies do you think Wes Anderson wears in the dollhouse in which he lives? <laughs> that is a great question. I'm thinking it's probably two colors that don't go well together. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, he, he has a lot of odd color palettes in his films. When he wear, when he dresses up for the Oscars, it's a little off. Uh, you know, what doesn't go well together? Like red and purple? That looks weird, right? Maybe that? Sure. Let's yeah. go with that. Uh, question number two, which Academy Award nominees from the last 20 years were not in this film? <laughs> uh, I don't recall seeing Tom Hanks in the film or hearing Tom Hanks in the film. But has he been nominated in the last 20 years? Castaway was in the last 20 years, wasn't Oh, it? sure enough. That was 2000. Yep. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Good job. Okay. Uh, well done. Well done. Question number three. You, I thought you wanted me to name them all. Should oh, I go through? Oh, oh, sure. Go ahead. Now, let's go on. We don't have time. We don't have time. We're sure, keeping it tight. Enough. We'll yeah. keep it, keeping it tight. Yeah. Question number three. Uh, critics, some critics have already cried foul about cultural appropriation and whether or not it was appropriate for Wes Anderson to write and direct this film. Oh, you should How have brought that up earlier. That? Um, <laughs> so, like I said, I really loved all of the cultural references in the film and felt that they added so much to it. I think that I, I think we've talked about this type of thing in the past, and I really struggle with being critical of it. I think that the movie could have been as interesting and as good directed by Wes Anderson taking place on Long Island or something like that. That's the the Isle of Dog garbage. But right. I, I really feel that that's unfair. I guess I, nobody's it, has has anybody prevented a Japanese director or writer from telling this story and Wes Anderson just swooped in and grabbed it and directed it. I, I don't know. Probably. Uh, well then, well then that's really a now shame. Now that you put that out there, we'll read about it. Probably. Yes. We should Dozens start that times. one. Wait till it's right. nominated for an Oscar. Question number four. Did you know that Fisher Stevens was still alive? I did not. No. And, okay. and, and what was he uh, an Oscar winner for? Best documentary feature for The Cove, 2010. There we go. All right. There you go. Right. Uh, question number five. Can you think of any other writer or director whose work is so singular as Wes Anderson? No. I guess Quentin Tarantino would be a close second. I mean, he doesn't have a ton of films, but... 
it, I think he's a little easy to identify. You can you I don't know that you could do it from a still from the movie, but right. But ten minutes in, you're damn well sure, right? That's fair. That's um, fair. It, oof, any I don't I can't think of another. No, I really struggled to to, to try to answer Greta that question Gerwig. For I mean, all of her movies have been. <laughs> <laughs> what is with you and Greta Gerwig? See, at the beginning of the episode, you sort of implied that I had a problem with her, but that's the second I, Now I'm just piling on. I, I wanted you to join in with me. No, I, I celebrate her whole resume. <laughs> Huge Greta Gerwig fan. God. That's, I'm a big Greta Gerwig fan. No, hashtag, but, but Wes, Ander- Greta. Wes Anderson is the most. You said it perfect. He's a genre unto himself. And I agree. I think you could you could do it a still frame. Just pause at any frame in any of his films, and you could identify yeah. Wes Anderson. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, thanks, buddy. That's five questions. All right. Nice job. Uh, final thoughts. I love dogs. Uh, it, it so hard to find something not great about it. It was just a really quick sit. An hour and forty five minutes flew by. I thought it. I didn't want to take my eyes off the screen. I agree. I loved the movie. I can't wait to see it again. I strongly encourage people to check it out. But understand, it's a Wes Anderson joint. And if that's not your bag, you will definitely not like this movie. But if you like Wes Anderson, you are going to love it. Buddy, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, Steven Spielberg's latest, Ready Player One, the adaptation of Ernest Cline's novel of the same name. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.